When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome back. Just finished break. Today, I have the pleasure of a second episode having Chris Harris with us from uh, the Border Patrol retired agent from there, and uh, he's sharing some amazing stories of personal experiences, uncensored, unfiltered, raw <clears throat> information, and uh, yeah. Because I can. Because <laughs> he can, exactly. Um you know, Chris, I, I'm always concerned about the Border Patrol agents, what they do out there. I'm hearing stories of <clears throat> the cartel having AK-47s on the, across the river, getting shot at by them. Was there any moments during your tour down there where you're like in fear for your life? Like, oh, shoot, am I going to make it through tonight? Yeah, I mean, there were several. several. Um, and, okay. and, you know, toward the last few years of our career, we, we fought the union in San Diego um, to get us to be able to carry our M4s out in the field. Uh, and one of the turning points was that uh, we got a call from uh, a, a liaison center, a fusion center in Mexico to our dispatch mm-hmm. saying that <clears throat> there was going to be a whole bunch of a caravan mm-hmm. of darked out SUVs traveling along the border in our area uh, and that they knew that they were all cartel and that they knew they were all heavily armed and they were gonna, the Mexican officials, local, federal, whatever, were going to just hands off. But they wanted to give us up a heads up that they didn't know if they were going to try to attack us or whatever. And at the time, we didn't have our M4s. So we were rushing around trying to get M4s and shotguns out to the men in the field. So ultimately, we got to be able to carry our M4s. And we do that because the cartel is heavily armed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not buying it at these weapons at gun shows in the United States. As you might hear people try to say, <clears throat> Jose's not going up to a, a gun show in Texas and buying 222s. These are billion-dollar corporations. Um, basically, as we mentioned earlier, uh, almost in effect a nation state of them, the, themselves. They're buying weapons. And when I talk about weapons, I'm talking about um, M2, Modus's heavy barrel, 50 caliber machine guns, <laughs> RPG-7s, wow. uh, full automatic FNs, full automatic G3s, M16s, AK-47s, not the type you buy at a gun show, which mm. are single shot, semi-automatic. These are full, it can go full rock and roll. They're buying them on the international arms market or they're buying them from the corrupt parts of the military in Guatemala and not. But these, they're, they're, these are multi-billion dollar organizations, probably trillion dollar organizations. Trillions. <clears throat> wow. I heard buying any international orgs. Oh, Chapo may be considered probably the wealthiest guy on the planet by passing Putin on Russia. Could easily be. Could easily be. Crazy. The, the amount of the money they're making, uh, especially now that the border is being flooded and yeah. is, 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 is basically broken again, mm-hmm. uh, is, is insane the amount of money they're making. I mean, when you're charging somebody from like Fujian province in China, 40, 50, $60,000 to come to the United States, <clears throat> again, either that money's going directly to the cartel or they're getting a, a bite of it. Mm-hmm. So you were asking about dangerous stuff. We, we, you know, we we're carrying M4s for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I started wearing my body armor again, uh, even though you have to crawl through the brush. And, and as a cop, I was wearing my body armor. Sure. But, I stopped wearing the border patrol for a while because you're literally crawling through brush and stuff. But I started wearing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, this this story is is illustrative of what we face, but it's also it's got mm-hmm. a comic turn. I'll, I'll, I'll ruin it a little bit. Already. Okay. It's got a comic turn. No problem. <clears throat> I was stationed uh, on a detail in Douglas, Arizona, and at the time, it was like 98, 99, out of control, making a thousand arrests a night. Wow, um, thousand arrests a night. Yeah, just Jeez. it was insane. We're just dr- putting them on a bus, sending them back to Mexico. Right, half a morning even getting processed. Right. Um, so 
we had an Intel briefing and, and they were saying that they're bringing up narcotics in this one specific area. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there by myself. I don't know the area at all. Right. <clears throat> I don't even really have a map. Yeah. And I'm right along the drag road, the dirt road along the fence, which is just a cattle fence, a few strands of barbed wire. And I see what are the scuff marks of, you can tell that they're dragging a, um, they're dragging duffel backs mm-hmm. and that's narcotics. Right. And the footprint. So I stop my vehicle, I get out and it's nighttime with my flashlight. I'm tracking this out and I get into this thick, thick woods and I don't know where I am. I have no clue. I mean, if I have to call for help, I, uh, I'm north of the border somewhere. So that was, <laughs> that was about it. <clears throat> so I'm getting a little nervous. And then all of a sudden I hear what sounds like a weapon ra- racking. Oh, and then I see what looks like flashlights and I, I stopped dead. Right. And I was, I was terrified. I will admit this to you. And I am so slowly reaching for my pistol. That's all I had. And crouching down. I didn't want my leather gear. That was before we carried um, web gear, but and with the leather creaking. And I remember praying to the Lord, please, please, Lord, I will go up against pistols, even shotguns, but please not full automatic weapons. <clears throat> That's all I'm asking you. So I sink down. I get my flashlight out. Oh, so quietly. And I'm like, this is probably going to be it. I just, I got to do what I got to do. I hit the flashlight and I'm on my knees and there was absolutely nothing there. I have no idea to this day what that clinking noise was. And what I thought were flashlights were actually, there was a highway of a mile or so away and it was the headlights a little bit. It's going back and forth. Well, it was a very not used road. And so uh, that's what I thought. Holy, holy crap. <clears throat> oh, it must've been just thump bumping, adrenaline kicking in. No, another time I was in uh, Ajo, uh, Arizona, and I was at the South side of the Tohono. Odom Indian Reservation. Mm-hmm. And there was, again, just some barbed wire, but there was an actually dirt road through into Mexico. We, we couldn't block it at the time. You know, there's certain things the Indians can do and, and, and the reservations, um, some silver and whites things. So I'm watching the area. We were supposed to have five agents down there. Yeah. So, so again, I'm on a detail out there to help them out. Yeah. Um, but they were so still so shorthanded that I was the only agent down there. And again, I don't even know the area. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm down there and I see three white SUVs come rocking through flying through and so from up where i'm looking i can i can see the bundles in the back so it's, you know it's drugs so i go down to intercept mm-hmm. and they do a u-turn and as i'm going to intercept i'm on this little parallel thing i realize oh they're not going to stop they're going to ram me and we'd also been told that the cartels are getting tired of having their narcotics interdicted and seized that they were going to be running two people and one would be armed at least in the vehicle so I realized at that point, as I'm racing there, that one, they're going to ram me. Two, there's probably six people involved, <clears throat> and they're going to be armed with probably full of Mac weapons. And then I realized I am 50 miles, five zero miles from my closest backup or medical assistance. So we don't ride partners. 95% of the time, we don't ride partners. All solo? We're always solo. We no just kidding. manpower. I didn't know that. Yeah, we do. All, everybody says we didn't know that. You know, you can be out in the middle of nowhere, and you're by yourself. So <laughs> I hit the brakes. Mm-hmm. Because I just could picture myself bleeding out on the ground. Sure. And, you know, even if I can call for help, that's 50 miles away. <clears throat> so they went zipping back into Mexico. So, I mean, I, I, I did my job that they didn't bring the narcotics into the United States. I wasn't able to make the seizures or the arrest, but I was going to die there. I knew I was going to die there. And, and, and you know, I, I've won awards and accommodations for her as a police officer. I'm willing to risk my life. I'm not willing to just throw it away mm. if for something that's kind of futile. Sure. But, yeah, I was, I, was, I was nervous then. I was unpleasant. Uh, realizing this is how it's going to go down if I don't change what I'm doing. Um, but that happens all the time on the border. Our guys work by themselves out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and you apprehend groups of 10, 20, 30 by yourself. 
Um, and you have to deal with that. You have to you have to take control of the situation and and get people on the ground and, and either uh, usually flex cuffs because we don't have enough hand. We don't carry 50 things of handcuffs. Flex cuff them up and try to get some backup there to to get, you know, to help you maintain control or get them back to the station. What's going through my head right now is, <clears throat> you know, I go LAPD, you know, I'm in downtown Los Angeles working on a security detail doing executive protection with our company. And I'm seeing, you know, LAPD unit going by. You got a driver and guy riding shotgun. Mm-hmm. Two officers in that unit mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. And he had the most dangerous place in the world, probably more dangerous than Iraq and Mexico, that border right there. And our country, our government is allowing our border patrol agents to work solo in well, their own unit. We so, have to. I mean, because just the manpower, we're so shorthanded that we wow. cover, you know, the, the, the border for the whole country. Um, it was interesting several years ago, <clears throat> Mark Morgan had worked for the FBI um, and he came in as chief of the border patrol. And that was the first time we'd ever had anybody outside come in. And Mark's a good guy. I got to meet him. Um, mm. Kudos to Mark Morgan. He ended up being commissioner for uh, CBP, yeah. but for a little while he was chief of the border patrol. Yeah. And he said, I looked into it. And I didn't realize that you guys are the most assaulted mm-hmm. agency, right? Federal agency in the United States, the most assaulted. I mean, we knew that already, sure. but he was an outside guy from the FBI going, Holy crap. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I told you I got hit in the head with a rock, and, and, yeah. and um, we have rockings all the time. Mm. Um, a couple of years ago, I was on uh, uh, Fox News with Ed Henry, yeah. and one of the things was that we had deployed chemical munitions, chemical um, tear gas, and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, when they were breaching us through uh, the, in the, the Tijuana River Valley in the channel that comes yeah. into Mexico. Yeah. And my opponent was some high-up Democrat. You know, there's three of us debating sure. and, and he thought it was unlawful and wrong for us to use the chemical weapons. And I explained, I said, look, those guys are throwing rocks and chunks of concrete and bottles at our guys. That's deadly physical force. Mm-hmm. You can kill someone with a rock. Right. You know, we've been killing people with rocks since the beginning of time. And I said, three of my agents were hurt. One had to go to hospital for the knee was shattered. So not only could they have used the chemical weapons that they used. Uh, chemical munitions, mm-hmm. they could have shot shot these people. They could have shot and killed them sure. to stop the daily physical th- force threat. Right. So we use these chemical weapons because you know we don't want to have to shoot people. Uh, we show remarkable restraint. But the fact is, we're assaulted all the time. It's insane how often we're assaulted. Didn't know that. I've got a question for you, Chris, uh, from Barbara Kirk. What is the effect of the Biden administration border policies on child sex trafficking? Great question. <clears throat> Yeah, we were going to get to that super letter, but um, <laughs> yeah. so understand this. Like I said earlier, that um, everything that comes across the border legally has to do either directly for the cartel or, or it's answering to it one way or another. Yeah, um, the money earned is all you know. Mm-hmm. There is not, and I have this problem with my my liberal friends in New York sometimes, where they're like, "Well, we're against human trafficking," as if that's somehow like a niche organization. It's all the same cartels and everything that are doing this. Sure. So if if you if you're seeing an uptick in, in cross border. Um, crossings, illegal crossings. Of course, then the smuggling of, of children for sex trafficking is going up. Um, I mentioned earlier, Jalisco has thousands of women have historically disappeared in Jalisco mm-hmm. in Mexico. Nobody knows what happens to them. We know that kids are disappearing on the way up. What's happening to those kids? Mm-hmm. But even without disappearing, when they come here and there's no real family here for them, right. and they're under the control of the cartel and the smuggling organizations, what happens to these kids? How hard is it to divert some children Absolutely. To, to, to nefarious? And, and let's let's be honest with what we're talking about. And you asked was sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's having underage girls be forced into prostitution and, and other things. Sure. I'm also worried that some of these kids are diverted to other countries mm-hmm. where even worse things can happen to them. Absolutely. So we know what's happening. To act like, well, we just want Border Patrol nice to go after that. It's not a niche boutique organization. It's all part and parcel. 
It's all where they make money. And so if you're concerned about what you should be, uh, the, the sexual exploitation, exploitation of children, of minors, or any women or, or men for that, you should be against this, this kind of open border thing because it breeds that. It allows that to happen under cover of the bigger, the bigger problem. And again, when they put a group of, say, 100 across in Texas somewhere and they just stop and stand there and we go and they're claiming amnesty, well, all those agents are pulled out from different areas. So that's when they put through people that might be for sex trafficked or hardcore criminals or even terrorists or the narcotics or fentanyl because there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. That's literally like if you have a city police department and almost every cop is pulled off to do something internally, you know, processing in the in the in the in the, in the, in the station, right. you've got nobody on the streets. Right. So that's what's happening. And again, the cartels run. So they 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 coordinate it how they want it. Uh, we're going to push a group of 100 here, 100 there. Good. They're all going to claim asylum. Great. Here's where our, our, our higher priority stuff is going through. And I'll point out in on the coast of California, mm-hmm. we're getting the pongas back again, the Mexican fishing vessels. Interesting. And we had done a really good job of stopping that, our mm-hmm. maritime units, right. uh, in conjunction with the U.S. Coast Guard mm-hmm. and uh, Office of Air and Marine of Customs Border Protection, but also the Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. To the point where they were going 200 miles offshore to a mothership and then landing all the way up in Monterey. We were disrupting them that much. But they're back again in La Jolla and San Diego. We just had uh, several people died with a Ponga mishap where it crashed into the rocks off of Point Loma. So because of this open border type mentality and what's going on, the Pongas are back again, which is very dangerous. But also we know that high value targets come in on the Pongas because you're paying more. And then the, the smuggling organizations telling you that you won't have contact with U.S. officials. Mm-hmm. Well, who wants to pay more where they don't want to have contact with U.S. officials? Wait, Criminals and terrorists. Well, I, I have heard through some friends that worked Border Patrol that um, basically Hezbollah and Hamas were backing the cartel, teaching them how to build the tunnels. And then they were mm-hmm. actually pushing up cells from the Middle East, terror cells. Through the border. I've heard that. What, what's your opinion on so that? So we've known for years that Hamas and Hezbollah have training camps in Mexico. They do. Uh, the U.S. has a hands-off policy with them. You'll notice that the Hamas and Hezbollah don't attack the U.S. Why is directly? That? Because we have a hands-off policy with them. And, they, you know, it's a kind of an unwritten agreement. Is it? Okay. We haven't had attacks since, I believe, Beirut mm. uh, under Reagan. So it's a hands-off policy. Okay. Um, they attack Israel, and, and, you know, we condemn them. But they're not directly attacking U.S. embassies or anything like that. Hezbollah and Hamas do not do that. Um, we know that they have training ins- installations in Mexico. We have seen definitively through intel, when I, we've seen definitively that mm-hmm. when something is going on in Iraq mm-hmm. uh, or Afghanistan right. that the, uh, the ISIS or whoever are using, within two years you're seeing the cartel using those same tactics or, or weapon mm-hmm. systems. So right. the cartels are now using drones that have explosives on them. Holy smokes. And going after each other with those, but we're also <laughs> afraid they're going to go after border patrol agents and others. We uh, know they're yeah. flying. I mean, we seize them with sure. cocaine and meth on them. Right. Uh, the weaponry and tactics is the same we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, the tunnel thing. Look at Hamas and in, 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 in the Palestinian areas. They have miles and miles of, you know, tunnels. These aren't, mm-hmm. you crawl through tunnels. These are concrete rebar enforced underground bunkers and tunnels. So we, we know that's happening. Mm-hmm. We know that's happening. Uh, and, and that's something that is very concerning to us. It, it, several years ago, there was an incident in, I think it was Nevada, where there was a power relay station and someone shot out certain parts of it and, and stopped power to a huge chunk of, of the, mm-hmm. the Southwest for several days. And and they played it off as some like yeehaw hunter redneck out there. That's not the truth. Right. We, we think that was a message being sent to the U.S. government. 
Wow. So that's a huge problem. I mean, I, I don't understand why people are mm. not concerned about securing the border mm. against at least criminals and terrorists. Right. I don't get that. Um, no. no nation state in the history of mankind mm-hmm. has ever long been able to, to sustain, sustain itself, to maintain sure. itself as a nation state right. uh, without being able to control its borders. That's something that's legalized under international law. It's something all countries, we probably have the most, one of the most lax immigration and border things in most countries. Wow. Most countries are much stricter than us, even liberal countries. Mm. Um, but if you can't if you can't maintain and control your borders, you, you fail as a nation state. The Roman Empire, one of the reasons you had the decline and fall of the Roman Empire was it could not control its borders. Right. And we right now are not controlling our borders. And again, you could be as liberal as you want to be. Mm-hmm. And the immigration system. So so let me say this. Mark. Sure, sure. Go ahead. I keep telling people you have to bifurcate this. <laughs> immigration system is one one thing. Yeah. Border security and as it relates to national security is a whole different thing. Mm. And up to like 2016, even Democrats I would talk with senators and understood that. Yeah. And what they were concerned about is the 11 million, and Border Patrol's metrics will tell you it's probably closer to 25 million, people that are here illegally or overstayed their visas. What do you do with them? Okay, that's a separate issue, mm-hmm. and that's a debate we need to have amongst American people, and I have my own thoughts on that sure. and how to, how to resolve it. But that's a separate issue. Border security, and as it relates specifically to national security, is that nobody should have an issue – with securing that border. Right. And when people say the fence is racist, it, it drives me crazy. The <laughs> fence is a non-sentient thing. Right. It doesn't think, it doesn't care. Yeah. It, it's going to try to stop you, whether you're from, from Nepal, from Pakistan, from Mali, from Syria, from Ireland. It doesn't care. And and nobody should be against, again, it should be a non-partisan, not even bipartisan, be. to secure mm-hmm. our nation's border. Absolutely. And 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 you lock your doors at night, I'm, I'm assuming, and most people do. Of course. So you as a father or a parent mm-hmm. have the right to decide who comes in your house. Right. So some sketchy guy shows up at your door <laughs> and your kids are inside. You're not going to go, you know, I don't have a right to stop you. Come on in. You get to say no. And then even with your guests coming in, mm-hmm. you have a right to tell them to leave at a certain point in time. Yeah. That the nation state has that right too. Absolutely. So I just want people that are that are that are listening to this to to Please. get back to with their elected officials mm-hmm. to contact and say, securing the border. It has nothing to do with race, creed, color, mm-hmm. national origin, sexual orientation, religion, nothing. Right. It should be a nonpartisan issue to protect America, the Constitution, and the people that live within it. You made a great point, Chris. I mean, we all lock our doors. We have surveillance cameras on our houses. <clears throat> ring, I bring technology around my house. Yeah. I have big dome lights. Why? A perimeter. I know who's going. We do that psychologically to protect our home from the bad person that's out there going to break in. Uh, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, is seeing in Portland, Oregon, having huge homicide rate. I think Portland, Oregon had an 800% increase in homicides last month. Homicides, Portland, Oregon. <clears throat> and we all are locking our doors. What's the difference between our home and our sovereign nation, the United States of America, having a border to protect us from bad people that exist? And that protects all of us here. Absolutely. And it actually, even if you're here illegally, it protects you. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, there's a lot of people, and I'm going to use the term illegal alien because that is the term we use in, in, in our rules and regulations of the federal government. Sure. Um, it doesn't mean you as a person, mm-hmm. and I explain this to different groups, it doesn't right. mean you as a person are legal. Your status is here as an alien who's here illegally. So if you're here illegally, and my wife's in Mexico, right. if you're here illegally, but you're still, you're one of those guys, uh, people who are not committing any crime, yeah. and you're working and all that, right. you really don't want that pedophile no. or that drug dealer next to you living next to your kids. So even when they interview them, usually anonymously, that people mm-hmm. are here uh, other than legally, mm-hmm. they too do not want criminals in their neighborhood. They certainly don't want to live next to a terrorist. Right. And so when we protect our nation's borders, 
and we control who gets to come in. We're protecting every single person in this country. People that died in those twin towers in 9-11, mm-hmm. there were people that were in that building that were here illegally. Sure. They died. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they cared about like, well, you know, <laughs> uh, they wanted a chance to live. Absolutely. And so, again, securing your nation's borders is nothing to do with race, creed, color. Like I said, 160 countries around the world, we've apprehended their people coming into the U.S., 160 countries. It defies race, creed, color, national origin, religion, sexual orientation, nothing to do with that. You're coming here against our laws. Right. And that should not be something that bothers anyone to secure the border. Again, once, if we secure the border again, we can have that conversation down mm-hmm. the road about what we're going to do with the, pick the number you like mm-hmm. that here that are here illegally. And that's fine. But you can't just have the, a sieve coming in and, and we need to be able to pick and choose who we allow in and how we allow them in. Like you're just telling me offline that you, this is the biggest increase you've ever seen. In, in like 20 years. In 20 years. Yeah. And, and, wow. and the difference was when we were catching even, like I said, a thousand a night in Douglas and whatnot, most of them we were just sending back to Mexico. Right. Now, most of them were, were releasing into the United States. Wow. Because once they're claiming asylum for most of them, especially if it's a family unit. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's made up family units. We know they're not really family <laughs> units. We right. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you have a 13 year old girl and she's crying, and the guy looks about 26 yeah. and says he's a dad and he doesn't know her name, <laughs> there's a problem there. There's a big problem. But most of the family units are being released into the United States. Right. So, again, that's different, even if the numbers are, are comparable and they're not. But we, at least back then, were removing them from the United States. We're not right. doing that now. And that's the rule of law is done. When you do that, they're gaming the system. They know they're gaming the system. And that's not what we should be doing. Absolutely. And you brought up an interesting point, too, that it's how many Border Patrol agents you knew were doing early resignations before 57 just to get out. They're just early retirements. Yep. They're um, just punching out. And, and th- these people are people that are like usually over 50. Mm-hmm. They have years of experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are senior, they're, they're management, whatever. So you're losing that brain trust. You're losing that institutional knowledge. Sure. <laughs> I've got nothing against young kids. I mean, I was a young kid. Right. But you don't want an agency that's predominantly twenty something year olds. No experience. You, you want you want people to leaven that with with mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, gravitas, a little bit of of of, um, of of maturity, a little bit of, of sure. uh, caution. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you want. Right. Same thing in your military. Same thing in your police force. Mm-hmm. And when you have these early retirements of senior people, mm-hmm. not good for the agency. Not at all. Well, folks, you guys listening, you're on your YouTube, whatever. This is Christopher Harris, retired Border Patrol agent, 22 years with the Border Patrol, uh, several years in New York as a police officer and corrections detective. He's got tons of experience, subject matter expert on the United States-Mexican border, and he joins us. He's a commentator with uh, CNN, Fox, and many other news outlets, and he's sought after uh, uh, subject matter expert on the border issue and because of the border crisis we're having down there i felt being a marine myself veteran i love my country i love my nation and i was willing to die for it like christopher was willing to give his life for protection of our border uh, we need to talk on the subject and that's kind of a hot topic right now probably uh people want to discuss it but people need to hear the truth from the man himself who's been there and done that and uh, you can find me at a uh, yeah, the Fearless Mindset Podcast, uh, Ledlow Security Group, LedlowSecurity.com. And Chris, where can people find you if they want to have you speak at an engagement or whatever? I can give you my email. Email, okay. Um, it's it's cookandcop at AOL.com. I'm old school. <laughs> um, my, my first wife, who passed away young, got it for me back in like 93. <laughs> okay. Like to cook. 
I was a cop. Yeah. So it's um, C-O-O-K-I-N-C-O-P. There's no G in there at AOL.com. Um, that's my direct email. Okay. Feel free to, to send me an email at any time, and, and I respond to all of them. There you go, folks. So feel free. Uh, thank you, Chris, for putting that up there. There's his email. <clears throat> if you want to be a guest on this show, Fearless Mindset Podcast, uh, reach out to um, me via LinkedIn is one good way to find me. You can uh, find me at uh, LedlowSecurity.com. Email me that directly. Or you can, if you want to be a sponsor of the show, uh, you can email me there for that information too. So uh, you got anything else you want to mention, yeah, Chris? I do. Okay. <clears throat> so when I was a union official, mm-hmm. when I would meet with members of Congress, when I, I said, I have one of the easiest jobs in the world. Sure. I'm simplifying, but right. easiest union jobs in the world. The men and women of the Border Patrol, a lot of them former Marines, Navy, mm-hmm. Army, Air Force, uh, Coast Guard, etc. All they want to do is be allowed to work hard. Right. They want to protect this country. Yeah. And so what I would tell everybody that's listening to this is, one, these guys, these men and women, they do serve their country honorably. They are risking their lives. And what you need to do is contact your elected officials and say, look, allow these guys to do what they want to do, which is to protect the United States of America, to protect the Constitution of the United States of America. A lot of these guys are big constitutionals. I mean, really into people, jackbooted thugs. No, they're really into the rights and freedoms that we have in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And let them protect the people that live in this country. So contact your elected officials. And and God bless the men and women still serving the United States Border Patrol. Thanks. Amen, brother. So you heard that from Chris. We just need to let these Border Patrol agents do their jobs <clears throat> and uphold the Constitution. And... Um, couldn't say it better myself and being a Marine Corps veteran. That's why I wanted Chris to be on the show because that's something passionate to my heart as well. And these guys are willing to give their lives on the border to protect our sovereign country from bad people that exist out there. And with that said, uh, thanks for coming on Chris. And if you guys want to reach out, you got his email and to reach out to Chris or reach out to me directly and uh, pleasure to have you on pleasure, Mark. Thank you. And anytime I'd like to come back on again. Awesome. Would enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks guys. Thanks for your support of the show. Talk Thank to you for listening. Guys.